CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Cooper alongside Michael Garrell, and we are back to uh, talk more CFL free agency. We're now two weeks in since the period opened on February 13th, and uh, lots has happened. We covered a lot last week at the end of the week already, but some more news has come out since then, so we'll go through all of that today in what will be a bit of a shorter show due to our scheduling time constraints this week, busy week for both of us. So let's get right into things. Welcome in, Michael Garrell. How are you, Mike? Not too bad yourself? Not bad, not bad. Excited to be back, excited to talk more CFL football here. Yeah, in case I sound a little tired this morning, I, we, I did watch the Canada-U.S. game. So The uh, the gold medal game last night? Yes, the one that I refused to speak of. <laughs> yeah, the Olympics, uh, when the Olympics are across the world, it just destroys your sleep schedule. Precisely. Mike, getting into talking about the CFL what's all happened in the last week it uh there hasn't actually been as much as i thought there would be you know in terms of a lot of you know deals came out during the first week there um this week has been a little quieter but we also do have some of the free the big name free agents have found a home now and uh to quote the ever quotable and wonderful Ilya briskalov nothing scares him more than a bear in the woods or a bear in the forest. Well, I would argue what's more scary than that, Mike, is a bear in the woods together with a tank. And that's what's yeah. going on in Toronto right now. Bear Woods back with the Argos, along with Taylor Tank Reed. I'll tell you what. There's a saying in football, defenses are built by championships. and Or championship championships. Defense uh, wins championships. Yeah, that's, that's what, what you're looking for. Kind of thing. I'm a little bit tongue-tied, but again, you know, we've seen teams have great defensive teams on paper and not being able to, you know, put it together. But that being said, Toronto, I think, is going about this the right way very methodically. I mean, Toronto, just what they've done defensively this offseason, like the Argos defense is terrifying, just looking at it on paper. I will go out and say right now, I firmly believe the Argos will have the best defense in the league in 2018. I'll tell you what, they they have a shot as any, um, to be honest, at repeating. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because just a week ago we were talking about how, or a week, maybe two weeks ago, we were talking about how the Argos, yes, they won the Grey Cup last year, but they're also a team that we felt had a lot of holes in it and that we maybe don't feel confident in a repeat in. I'll tell you what, if this defense shows up the way it looks on paper, I put them at I put them at a very, you know, high standing. The one question for me still is who's gonna catch the ball? Because they have a very good offensive line, they have very good quarterbacks, 
They have you know, okay running backs. Well, the running back situation is still up in the air. And I say okay. That's why I only say okay. Like Toronto, I could see hosting a playoff game based on what they've done in the last week. I mean, just looking at, and a lot of these names are the guys we mentioned last week already. They brought back Matt Black, Johnny Sears, Jermaine Gabriel. Brought back Cassius Vaughn, who was the uh, the Grey Cup hero, forced that fumble in the Grey Cup. Um, they bring in TJ Heath, uh, former Argo, member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Ronnie Yell they brought in from BC. That was made official this week. And then, so they, they were, you know patched up their defensive backfield, their secondary, with some big-name pieces, and then they turned to the linebacker position this week. First of all, they bring back Khalil Bass. He again joined the team late in the season last year, didn't play much with them after being cut by Ottawa, uh, only got in for a couple games. But if, if Bass can you know, go back to the level of play, he was that when he was with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and then to go out and on the same day, in the span of like an hour, Bear Woods and Taylor Reed. I mean, these are two of the top linebackers in the CFL. This defense is scary. The defense is scary, but I don't know if you got the news this morning, Ryan. Ardo's offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, is leaving for an NFL job. I wonder what, uh, I wonder what James Wilder has to say about that. You think they're tied together? Well, no, in the sense that, you know, players not allowed to go and leave the team to pursue an NFL opportunity mid-contract, but the coach is. Yeah, it's very interesting for sure. Well, and uh, also the rumors, I don't know, I think that hasn't been official yet that they might, uh, Corey Chamberlain might not be back with the Argos this year. Uh, I know there were rumors he was perhaps leaving to go to the NFL, so maybe some questions there for Toronto, but I, you know, I'll, I'll give, we'll, I'll give them, we did our touchdown turnover grading system last week. The Argos get a touchdown now. Absolutely. And the other question is, Ryan, and I know you talked about maybe Corey Chamberlain leaving for the NFL. Would these two guys sign if they didn't know who the D coordinator would be? That's a good point. I would agree with you. Probably not. My my guess is they know what's going on. Yeah, and I find it kind of interesting that, you know, a week into free agency, Bear Woods re-signs with the Argos. Because generally, you know, if a guy is a free agent for your team, once you get to the point of a week and he hasn't been brought back yet, generally you're not expecting a big fish like that to come back to, you know, the team he was with and... We are all wondering where's Bear Woods gonna go. It looks like he doesn't want to come back to Toronto, and then he surprises us all and uh, ends up going back there after all. He likes what they've put in place. Something changes. Um, something changed in the last week. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure what. Maybe it could have been a case of. Uh, maybe it, it could have been a case, Ryan, but. You know, Bear Woods wanted to see what was out there, didn't like what he saw, and then chose to go to Toronto. That could very well be the case. Offensively, I still agree with you. I think I think they I think they need one more wide receiver still. Uh, they re-signed Jeff Fuller, but again, like we talked about, Fuller is one of those guys that you know has struggled to stay healthy at times, and 
I, I think it's good to bring him back, but it depends, you know, how long he can stay in the lineup and how productive he's going to be. Yeah, and to me, let's be frank, I don't think, and I'm going to throw the entire, you know, general CFL into this comment, I don't think there's a team that does not have holes. There's no perfect roster, no perfect team, no flawless team. You know what I mean? Who would be the closest to that? I I don't know, Ryan. Um, Would it be Calgary? Even, you know, Calgary to me has sparked more questions with what they've done this offseason. Calgary would be a close number one for me. I would say I would have to say they're the closest to not having any holes. You know what? I'll actually throw in maybe the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, although I'm not sold on the middle linebacker situation now that they let Hinock Muamba go and brought in Sam Hurl to play that role. But where do you have the Bombers on your list? Well, I think the Bombers are like they still have the hole at middle linebacker, possibly. Right? Depends how much faith they have in Javon Santos Knox to come in and fill that role. I think for the Bombers, that's really the only hole I see right now that still needs to be filled. So I I think they're close as well. Of course, this is all on paper, and, you know, we'll get a couple games into the season, we'll realize that, you know, maybe these plugs, uh, I don't mean the players themselves, but maybe the guys we're plugging these holes with, you know, don't actually stop the gaps like we expected them to. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, man, because, like, as I said, like, there's no perfect team in the CFL, and I think that's what makes this so interesting. The thing for me with the, going back to the Argos here is that, you know, look how, look what Jim Pop did last offseason as well. The, the, mm-hmm. the Argos didn't have their, uh, didn't have him as general manager, so they didn't, in the start of free agency, really have a general manager. They made a lot of quieter moves throughout the offseason, took chances on some guys. Um, They brought in Armonte Edwards, who last offseason, who had a bit of experience with the Riders, but, you know, and look what he ended up doing for them this last year. Same thing with Devere Posey. So I feel like, you know, he's done what he needs to with the defense now. I still think he needs to upgrade his offense a little bit. But I wouldn't expect him to necessarily go out and do that with a big free agent splash yet at this point. I would probably look to see him try to replicate what he did last offseason, give a couple of younger guys a chance to flourish. Yeah, and that to me, it's really interesting. And I've said this, I think, a couple times in the last couple weeks. Sometimes the best moves you make are the ones you don't make. Well, and the interesting thing as well is that, you know, we talk about how these teams all have these holes. Teams are going to bring in rookie camp competition, bring guys in that have never played in the CFL. And every year we see, you know, these guys that are unknowns coming in be the next greatest star. So I think it's very much a case that, you know, maybe you just have to take a chance at these positions. But also on the flip side, are you worrying? Are you willing to take a chance on an unknown at these positions. Yeah, see, that that's that's a very interesting thing that you bring up. You know, it's, it's a fine balance of bringing in somebody that you know 
for money, right, versus a rookie contract. Like, you need a certain number of rookie contracts on your cap to fill your roster. I think it becomes a question of where are you most comfortable playing those people. Right. Because everyone's going to have a rookie that steps up and has a great season, right? Right. And it's just a matter of, you know, yeah, like you said, how do you balance out your roster between that to do I go with the proven or do can I afford to give a guy a chance? And if he knocks it out of the park, then that's home run for us. But, you know, oh. if, if not, well, then we just hit a foul ball. Bet you never thought I'd make a baseball reference on the on the podcast, Mike. I'm shocked we haven't had a curling reference yet. Oh, I'm a huge curling fan now. Oh, man, you missed the doubles curling, but that's another story. Um, no, but I, I Toronto done this very methodically. You know, when everybody seems to be throwing the most part of their salary cap toward their, their offense, Toronto done this kind of defensively. Yeah. Uh, looking around the league, uh, so the BC Lions haven't gone out and done anything different uh, since what we discussed last week. So no new changes for the BC Lions. Uh, officially losing Ronnie Yell to the Toronto Argonauts now, but we had a good feeling he wasn't going to be back. Um, f- in terms of holes that still need to be filled for the Lions, what what are the needs of the Lions still at this point? Can I say everything? Yeah. If you can, uh, why everything? Because I I believe for, and I I say this strictly from a competitive standpoint, I right now do not have the BC Lions making the playoffs as the roster is currently constructed. BC needs to make some, the way I see this is, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Edmonton. It's going to be really hard for BC to unseat one of those teams. Whether they do it is another thing. But, you know, it's it's just real interesting from the standpoint that I think BC needs help at every position. It wasn't just one position that let them down last year, especially late in the season. You know, they had a defensive... Um, they had a couple of names where they had absolute meltdowns last year. See, I, they, I beg to differ with you because I, I still think there's some tinkering that can be done, but I think in terms of major holes we discussed in our, uh, in our free agency preview show uh, for the BC Lions, the offensive line was the major one. I think they've done a great job of improving on those positions. Took a bit of a step back at the defensive back position, but I feel like this this team is, you know, filled the holes that needed to. And, and if you can get a bounce back season from Jonathan Jennings, we could look at a BC team shooting to the stop of the stand to the top of the standings. The fact, the fact of the matter is, Ryan, a very good West Division team is going to miss the playoffs. Oh, for sure. And I just, I just don't know if I'm ready to put BC in that playoff conversation yet. Looking at the Edmonton Eskimos, the uh, they bring back Aaron Grimes. That was uh, no surprise, I think, that he was coming back to any of us. Uh, we knew he was uh, had shots at the NFL, and uh, if he wasn't going to get that, uh, there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to come back to the Edmonton Eskimos. 
Yeah, and it was just a matter of what I understood was, you know, the deal in principle with them, but he wanted to pursue NFL opportunities. Uh, the uh, the Eskimos also yesterday officially announcing uh, the signing of wide receiver Rory Collert, who uh, was reported to have gone there already last week, as well as uh, former Bomber fullback Christoph Normand. So um, him him being a casualty in Winnipeg of them bringing in Keenan LaFrance. Uh, yeah, as well. That's the best way to look at it, and you know I never realized how how long uh, the fullback was on the bomber roster. Yeah, and uh and you know now the Eskimos are gonna have a bit of competition at the Canadian wide receiver position. They bring in Rory Colward. They've got Nate Bahar as well as a guy that, you know, hasn't had his time yet, but he he does have the potential. So I think, you know, they lose Corey Watson in free agency and now they've got a couple guys coming in to uh fight for that position. The wide receiver position in general for the Edmonton Eskimos is going to be fun to watch in 2018 because so much talent on that team. And with the, uh, you know, CFL, MOP, Mike Riley as your quarterback, that offense is going to do some fun things. Yeah, and and it's, it's a matter of can they find the balance between offense and defense. Any holes still for you for the Eskimos? Can I? Well... I would say running back, just given the fact that we don't know what the status of health is behind C.J. Dable. Well, I mean, I, I think the running back is one of their most fleshed out positions in a counter argument here, Mike, because you have C.J. Gable, you've got John White and Trayvon Van. I know you're concerned about the injury history for the last two there, but I mean, if if any of those guys are healthy, they have they have one of the best the trios of running backs in the CFL. Yeah, and, and for me, strictly, it's just an injury concern for, you know, those latter two. And C.J. Dable, if under the right offensive line, may well and could win a, in a, could win a rushing title. I think he will. With, with that offensive line. I've got my money. Well, I don't bet, but I had, if I were, my money would be on C.J. Gable winning the rushing title. This year. Over Andrew Harris? I think so. I think C.J. Gable, we're finally seeing... Well, we've known all along what he can do. We're just finally getting a chance to see it because he now plays on a team that likes to run the ball. Here's a question for you. And I, and I hate to ask this online because I, you know, I, I should have done my research. Um, but I don't see, you know, other than Green what Hamilton's options are running back. No, I think I think they'll run I think they'll run with Alex Green. I think he showed some promise in the second half of the season there. Um or in those last couple of games of the season, I think they have no problem running with him to start this year. Okay, yeah, no, I I was just wondering if they made another huge marquee signing. No, they haven't brought anyone else in the 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 Hamilton Tiger Cats are have actually been pretty quiet in free agency. Just looking at this list, um, yeah, the only new guy they brought in last week was Liram Harulahu at the kicker position, and uh, haven't done anything yet this week. So a rather quiet off season, or a rather quiet free agency from the Hamilton Tiger Cats after you know being in the news a lot for the past couple months. And you know, I think Hamilton done about it. 
the smart way. They know that their team performed well late in the season, came a little bit short of playoffs. So why not see if they could keep the team together, which they've done, and then just try to, you know, if this makes any sense, just try to write off the momentum of the back half of last year. Right. Is there uh, any positions of need for you that they, uh, are must-fills still for the Ticats, or is it more so just tinkering, or do you just stick with what you've got? I think it's tinkering. I think it's beating out a couple of Canadians through the draft that are, you know, impactful. Um, you know, and I, and, I, and I say this about every team. I think, I think the draft, you know, if you can get your rookies to kind of you know, contribute in some small way, then I think it's a win for everybody. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, they do have several, like a large number of picks in this year's draft, don't they? Yeah, I think they swapped a bunch of picks with teams in previous seasons. Uh, so it's it's just, it's very, very interesting, but I think. It's really a three-horse race, to be honest with you, for two spots in the East. I think that's fair. And I'm sorry, Montreal, but you have just not done enough to convince me that you're a playoff team. Not a playoff team. I think, you know, if we want to move over to talking about the Alouettes, I think the Alouettes are going to be better this year. Now, now, now take... Take whatever you want out of me saying they'll be better, whether that means four wins, whether that means five, six, seven. I don't I don't see them as a playoff team yet because the quarterback position's such an unknown with Josh Freeman and well, Drew Willie, we know what we know what to expect from Drew Willie as the backup, but Josh Freeman is such an unknown that I think it's hard to gauge what this Alouette's team is gonna be. I will say they have a strong defense based on all of the guys they've brought in this week. They have you know, Rich Stubler as an advisor for the defensive coordinator, Khalil Carter. So, I mean, that's a very good defensive coaching staff. It's a very good uh, defensive personnel on the field. If the Alouettes can string anything together offensively, I think they'll be a much better team this year. I, I believe that Montreal has built with what they can, a very good coaching staff overall. And, and and very good in terms of personnel, you know, the guys they brought in that, like we said last week, the Alouettes were going to be forced to go out and spend a lot of money in order to bring guys in because, you know, agents are saying, my players don't want to come here. I don't want my players to come here because of, you know, the track record with Montreal over the last couple of years. But they go and bring in some big pieces. They tinkered with that defense. Uh, they do have some options on offense now for Josh Freeman, uh, I believe. So, you know, I'm interested to see what the Alouettes are going to do this season. Uh, in terms of moves they made this week, they made a couple. They brought in uh, Bombers linebacker Kyle Knox. Um, they brought in kicker slash punter uh, Quinn Van Gilswick out of Saskatchewan and running back Shaq Murray Lawrence out of B.C., to back up Terrell Sutton and take the place of Brandon Rutley, who was traded to BC earlier this offseason. Again, now all those moves made sense. You know, the trades that they made, now they all somewhat made sense. So, 
I mean, the verdict, if you want to talk about glaring holes still for the Alouettes, I think, you know, they could probably, you know, make some more upgrades at several different positions, but I don't think it's as bad as it was two weeks ago. I think that's pretty safe to say. I'm still, <clears throat> the verdict for me is still out. I want Montreal Desert quarterback. Well, it looks like they're sticking with Josh Freeman and Drew Willie, so it's uh, it's now just become a question of what's Josh Freeman going to do. Yeah, and that's a huge unknown, especially for a guy that's been out of football. For sure. How long has he been out of the? How long has he been out of football, Mike? A couple years. I think he last played two, three years ago for Tampa Bay. Now, Mike, the interesting thing we talked about spending a lot of money to try to bring guys in. Last week on the show, we talked about a guy that the Alouettes brought in, a Canadian wide receiver, Jake Hardy, as a guy the Alouettes were bringing in, spent a large sum of money, $125,000 to bring him in. But now he's a member of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, actually, because, you know, as originally it was reported, he's going to Montreal. And then all of a sudden, a week later, he signs in Saskatchewan, no confirmation that he was ever going to Montreal. And now he's a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. I don't know whether it was a money thing or a situational thing, but it's very rare you see a guy back out of a contract. Well, and, and first of all, props to the guys from the Piffles podcast for you know breaking the news on or breaking the report on this one that Jake Hardy was going to be coming to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders because I believe they were the first ones to go and report that. So props to them. But um, th- like this just confuses me because Jake Hardy's a solid player, but... I thought $125,000 from the Montreal Alouettes was a ridiculous overpayment for him. And now, you know, if it was Saskatchewan offered him more money, how much are the riders paying this guy? And how close are they to the cap? Like, and, and, and I'm not so sure that that was actually the case. I think I think it might have just been, you know, maybe a deal fell through with the Alouettes. And we don't know, obviously, what happened to that. Maybe... Uh, Maybe just like the situation in Saskatchewan found it a better fit for him. Sometimes that players have second thoughts on contract and stuff because it is a very interesting scenario with you know the way contracts are agreed to and especially in this day and age where verbal agreements mean less and less as time as time goes on. And until it's signed on the dotted line, nothing is done. I'll tell you this. I like this deal. I like this move by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You know, Rob Bag will be the first one to go and tell you he's he's not done yet. He can still play uh, just as good as ever. And I truly believe that. I think we've seen, you know, Rob Bag have some good performances over the last several years. But, you know, how he has been in the league for a long time. We don't know how many years he has left. You, they bring in Jake Hardy. It gives them Canadian depth right now. It replaces Nick Dembski, who they lost to the Bombers. And, uh, you know, I think Hardy has some good potential here to be uh, a, a Canadian wide receiver for the Riders for a long time. Yeah, and they definitely needed, I think, something, as you said, to replace Nick Dembski. So I think they went out and, and mission accomplished for Saskatchewan. Now, I already mentioned in terms of holes the Riders still have, I, I'm not sold on the change they made at the middle linebacker position. 
Um, is there anything else of concern for you that still needs to be fixed over the next couple months? Or the Saskatchewan? Yeah. Well, um, not really. Other than figure out what the heck is going on with Duran Carter. In the sense that I don't think we've ever actually talked about that. You know, it's been out there in the news for a couple weeks already that uh, you know Duran Carter arrested for uh, twice on two counts of marijuana possession. Apparently, one in Winnipeg here back in November, and one in Saskatchewan at the airport. So uh, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with that with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But sounds, I, sounds like Chris Jones was less than happy. I, I I imagine he'll still be in the lineup come the first game of the year. Well, if he's serving jail time, it might be a different story. That's true. Uh, remains granted, granted innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. You know, let's make that clear. But I can't remember. I read somewhere what the possible jail term could be. And I say could be if it gets that far. I, I just can't remember off the top of my head. The, it, just, uh, it, it just goes to show that these players are also human regardless of of what you know, lead you're in. For sure. Mike, you know, they, or sorry, go, go, ahead. Ahead your, go ahead and finish your thought. No, I, I just think that people think that athletes and stuff are perfect people. You would not believe, and, I, and I'm not trying to make excuses here for Duran. I'm saying as, as a general general rule of thumb, the players and the demands of these athletes that they're under and the immense pressure, just look at that Canada-U.S. game. Look at that shootout yesterday. Look at how distraught the Canadian team was. And granted, it would have happened had the Canadians won and the Americans would have been distraught, and I understand that part. But it just goes to show the emotions that athletes put into their said sport, and with that comes the pressure and temptation of, you know, substances and all that kind of stuff. And athletes are no different than normal human beings when it comes to making decisions. For sure. Mike, looking at the Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, if you remember last week, I was a little lukewarm on what they uh, what they had done. I, I wasn't particularly impressed. They go out this week, uh, they bring in two new defensive linemen, Michael Clawson out of Calgary and Daryl Wad, former Ar- Toronto Argonaut, uh, played with the Argos last season. So that was one of the concerns, I think, still for me, because they did lose Zach Evans last week. Um, but they brought in two new guys this week. I'm uh, I'm a little more impressed with what the Red Blacks have done. Yeah, and I think it speaks to the ability that free agency isn't necessarily one in week one. It's it's those later signings that prove to have the most value. Yeah, and I imagine you know we'll continue to see more and more from each team as we go along. Uh, any holes for the Red Blacks that you think still need to be filled? I, I believe they need to find a way to replace Reed as a, a linebacker. I, I still think their defense is subject to a lot of um, paper hearsay, right? It's like we don't know who these guys are. But I think if they can just add a piece or two defensively, 
to help stabilize it, I think they'll be fine. I just don't know if given what I've seen in Toronto and given what I've seen in Hamilton, if I can put Ottawa in as a home playoff game. The um, At the quarterback position, they're set as their, with their starter as Trevor Harris. They brought in yep. Dom Davis. They still have Ryan Lindley. Are you satisfied with those two guys competing for the backup position? I, I know there's not too many options out there already, but uh, are, are you satisfied with the depth at quarterback for the Red Blacks? Can I? Well, I'm going to be very careful how I phrase this. The bomber fan in the bomber fan in me says no, based on what we've seen from Don Davis, right? And and why the bombers were so quick to move on from him over, say, a guy like, you know, Dan Lefebvre or one of the rookie kids on better than a battle for that practice roster spot. But, again, it's, I hope Dom Davis finds success in Ottawa. I hope Trevor Harris stays healthy. Absolutely. But it's just a big unknown for Ottawa behind, like, Based on what I've seen, if Trevor Harris gets hurt at any point during the season for a substantial period of time, Ottawa, like any other team, would suffer. And I just, I do not believe that Dom Davis is capable to be a number two quarterback. And in fact, I would honestly, and I do not mean to throw Dom Davis under the bus, this is strictly what I've seen with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I would honestly have more faith in Ryan Lindley than Dom Davis. Yeah, I think they're both too much of an unknown still to me because they they haven't had a lot of playing time in the CFL. Sure, a guy can go out and have one you know play one game and not have a like have a bad performance, but does that mean you write them off for their whole career? I don't think so. I don't think that's fair. Just like you know. Sometimes I think there's an overreaction if a backup comes in and uh, plays, you know, one great game. And, right. and and maybe, you know, that's something we'll end up seeing with James Franklin of the Argos. He, he, he Granted, he's had a couple great games, but he doesn't have a lot of experience from his time with the Edmonton Eskimos. And he's being her- heralded as, you know, the next greatest quarterback in Toronto once Ricky Ray retired. So it's a case when where, you know, you don't have much you don't have much to go off of with these guys. You, you see there are a couple performances and you critique those to no end because there's nothing else to go off of. And I believe looking back, it spoke loudly when Michael Shea elected to start Dom, uh, elected, sorry, to start Dan LaFever over Dom Davis in the last game of the season last year. Mike, moving on, because we are, Running out of time here, uh, yep. Calgary Stampeders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the two teams we haven't talked about yet. They both didn't do anything this week. Um, for the Stampeders, is, uh, what needs to be done still for them over the next couple of months? Just find some continuity. Find, you know, they brought a lot of their guys back, especially big-name receiver. Calgary, I'm not as concerned of about Calgary as I am some other teams. I just think, and the question for me becomes, has the rest of the West taken a step on Calgary? And only the games will be able to tell me that. 
and also for me as well, I think it's the, uh, you know, the the changing of leadership in the Stampeders locker room. What's that going to cause for the team this year? Because we do have, you know, the veterans that have been with this team for a long time. Charleston Hughes, Markway McDaniel, um, Josh Bell, who and who retired this year. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of all of these guys. Jerome Messam's been there in Calgary for a couple of years. What's what's the locker room going to look like for the Stampeders this year is my question, right? In terms of which guys are going to step up and be the leaders in the room now with these guys gone. And I believe that the changes that Calgary made have to be made following, you know, two devastating great cup losses, one being more devastating than the other. I'll let you address that for yourselves. But... Again, it's just the mental hurdle that I think John Huffnagel saw that his guys were not able to overcome because of those two big, you know, let's say Calgary goes to the Great Cup with much the same team. Something bad happens. Is it going to be an uh-oh, here we go again moment? You, you probably can't help but think that after the last two years. So, you know, they didn't blow it up, but they made some changes that I think you know, needed to be made for a team that essentially lost two great cups in the most devastating way possible. Another interesting for me is going to be, this is the final year of Bo Levi Mitchell's contract in Calgary. Do mm. I think he's going to go to any other CFL team? Absolutely not. I, I, I would be shocked. But, you know, the question to me is, does he go and take a shot at the NFL after this season? And if he makes it to the NFL, what happens with Calgary at that point? I know that's a question that we'll probably, you know, spend more time looking into further down the road. But, yeah, you know, this is a situation where I've heard people say, you know, this could be Mitchell's last season in Calgary. Uh, possibly. I doubt it. But possibly. Do you go for broke this year? And how do you do that? I, I think they put themselves in a position to go back to the Great Cup game and try to win it. Again, like I said earlier, I'm just wondering if the rest of the West is caught up to them. Right. That's a fair point. Um, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Mike, um, middle linebacker position we've talked about, right, in terms mm -hmm. of do they do they they how do they fill that hole, whether it's internal, uh, Javon Santos-Knox, maybe Ian Wild, you know, returns to play that position because uh, he used to play that position after Henock Muambo left Winnipeg a couple of years ago. But um, anything else that you need to see the Bombers still do? I think I just want to see what they what they do at the draft. I think, I think Kyle Walters, to be honest, has some moves up his sleeve uh, at the draft. You know, he found guys like Loeffler. And and exactly how the scouting continues. Because the Bombers have brought in a lot of guys, unknown guys, rookie guys, to help, you know, with the bodies in camp and try to win a job. And I just want to see the evolution of the Blue Bombers, like the Javon Santos Notches in the world, come in and go, Oh, we have a rookie on our team, and at the end of the year, I want to be able to go. That rookie was fantastic. Well, Santos Knox isn't a rookie; he would be a sophomore this year. But right, right, I'm saying players like Javon Santos Knox. Right, you bring him in at camp. People really don't know who he is, and at the end of the year, people begin to really like him. 
and maybe he becomes a household name. Yeah, and, and I think we had a couple guys in Winnipeg last year that were like that, you know, in that uh, in that secondary. Brian Walker quickly became, yep. I think, a fan favorite along that uh, defensive line. Uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, uh, Corey Poop Johnson, um, you know, guys like that. Uh, you mentioned Santos Knox already. Brandon Alexander came up big a couple times. So, so I I want to see guys like that. I want to see more and more guys every year. Right. You know what I mean? I want to I want to see that pipeline just continue. It, see again, that's the balance I talked about earlier in the this podcast. The uh we want you want to see them be able to bring in and find the next greatest talent, but then part of you in the back of the mind is okay, well, I'm worried about the unknown at this position if there's someone that we don't know is proven to be successful at it. Here's another thing quickly. I I know we're really tight on time. Uh, but what what are your thoughts on the CFL and, and releasing ten players on each player's name list public? Yeah, that was I was just going to ask you about that as well, actually. So uh, good coordination there. The uh, you know I'm I'm not one of those people that was like oh finally we get this we get these ten players on the neg list and then we saw the list and it was like oh I always needed this because. I'll admit, you know, besides the obvious ones, Colin Kaepernick, you know, RG3, uh, guys like that being on the list, a lot of these guys, I didn't know who they were, and that's probably just because I'm not a college football person myself. But, you know, I think it's good that the CFL starts, you know, making things like this more public, you know, contracts, so to say, or negotiation deals or whatever. I mean, we don't know contract details a lot of times in the CFL because they're not firmly announced, right? We don't know the salary cap position always for teams. I would like to see things like this become more and more public as time goes on. Yeah, and, and I think that's just part of the openness and the transparency. Was there was there anyone on those negotiation lists uh, that stood out to you? Honestly, it's the Toronto Ardenauts. Uh, they have a guy by the name... Uh, former o- Oklahoma standout Baker Mayfield. Uh, I don't know if you've seen ba- Baker Mayfield play, but if, man, if that kid doesn't make the NFL, which he should, he's going to be a, one of the top quarterbacks picked in the draft this year. Man, alive is that they would that they have a chance in the CFL. The, guy, the Bombers right? also have a quarterback on their uh, on their negotiation list. Uh, Quinton Flowers. I, I I was reading up on it a little. Uh, he has quite the potential. It sounds like, doesn't he? Yeah, but it's one thing, right? Players that sell well in, in college, but then they can't bring those tools to the CFL. So again, it's it's much like everything else, right? The nine list becomes a crapshoot. But there's a guy just like a Tim Tebow, right? He had all. All the talent in the world was one of the best quarterbacks to ever play at Florida. And he unfortunately just hasn't been able to, you know, sustain anything football-wise in the NFL or even in the CFL. And then took up a baseball career. Yeah, so it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's very interesting. Like, just because the player is on a negotiation list, number one, doesn't mean that he didn't make the team. And then when he's on the team, doesn't mean... He didn't have the same success that he had in college. On the negotiation lists are constantly changing, right? 
in right. terms of, you know, a guy gets added, they swap negotiation list players, stuff like that. And, and just to tie in, you know, before I tie that in, another guy that interested me, obviously, um, Shane Zilstra for the Edmonton yep. Eskimos, the brother of Brandon Zilstra, who is now off to the Minnesota Vikings. So perhaps, you know, he comes in and uh, Edmonton gets another dose of Zilstra. But that would be really interesting. But uh, to sum it all up, you know, the reason, the reason, okay, 10 guys on the negotiation list for each team, the reason I didn't get as hyped about that as most is because I believe each team has, what, 45 guys on the negotiation list? I think 40. 40, something like that. I mean, if they only have to make 10 of them public, teams are going to hold their cards pretty close to their chest in terms of, I believe there's some bigger names out there on these negotiation lists that these teams just aren't sharing. Because, you know, why, if, why would you do that if you don't need to? My theory is, and I, I believe that deep down you subscribe to this theory as well, 10 as a whole has of a lot better than zero. 10 is a whole lot be- better than zero. Um, but when there's, you know, something like over 400 guys and, uh, you only know 90 of them, um, it's progress, Ryan, it's the, progress. The negotiation lists in general are just such a weird thing to me. And it's so secretive, eh? So secretive. And, uh, I mean, you have guys that were announced, obviously, you know, some of the announcements were made to try to, like, bring in fanfare, like... Oh, Colin Kaepernick. Oh, Robert Griffin III. You know, these are big-name NFL quarterbacks. Realistically, realistically, though, are those two ever going to be in the CFL? No, and I think that's the case with a lot of these guys. Um, You know, it's a case of, and and not to mention, I believe we already knew those guys were on the negotiation list. So if that information's already been, you know, leaked out there, if I'm a team, of course I'm going to go and choose them as one of my guys so that I can, you know, keep one more secret. Yeah, it's it's just it, the system has flaws, but I'm glad to see that progress is being made. That's fair. I, I agree with you. Well, Mike, I think that about does it. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I, did, I, I can't wait to watch the end of the Olympics. I'm sad that there are... Uh, going to be coming to an end but they're a once every four year event and i look forward to them every time and the big thing for me next week is the nhl nhl trade deadline on monday right that should uh should be a lot of movement going on in the nhl well theoretically although we all know uh tsn's trade center is gonna have to spend five hours coming up with content in the morning again but <laughs> let's see what else they can come up with <laughs> always always fun to watch you know, I, I like those guys, and, uh, you know, just tying it to the CFL, I, I would not be surprised if the CFL kind of quiets down here for the next, you know, week or two, and then ramps up again, obviously, CFL week. Scheduling note, we won't have, a, there will be no podcast next week, uh, very busy week. Uh, we're getting to a busy time of year for Mike and I. Uh, Mike has playoffs, uh to broadcast on Mike FM Winnipeg. I'm getting to the end of a uh, semester at university here, so lots of work to be done for that. So uh, if you notice our episodes starting to get shorter and shorter uh, over the next couple weeks, that's probably why. No episode next week, so we'll be back again in two weeks to talk more CFL. 
Perfect. That does it. This has been the Canadian Football Countdown for Michael Garrell. I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy the rest of the Olympics and enjoy the NHL trade deadline. And we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.